This was Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast. It's over. Good riddance. It's over. Well, at least we got through it alive. It's over. Good night to all of you. And I'm So long, you fetus-faced windbag. It's not goodbye. It is goodbye. Say goodbye. What's the big deal? Just say goodbye. The life must go on, though the end is near. Cheerio, my good man. Listen, the loons come around and say goodbye. I say the love has gone away. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Fly away. Get out of here, you low-life scum. episode. For the last time, I'm Eric Paul Johnson. And I'm Eric Winsenson. And welcome to a very special episode of Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast. Today, the Eric's get lured in by a bicycle shop owner who promises to let them listen to ELO, but has a more sinister purpose. Oh dear. Is this going to be an episode about getting addicted to cough drops? Yes, it is. Hmm. It's also going to be an episode about, well, about ending the show. Could very well be. So, we've run out of ELO songs. For the moment. So this is going to be the last episode. Until there's a new batch of ELO songs. Jeff said there's an album in the works, so we'll see. But until then, this is it. There's an album in the work that is hopefully just not a collection of retreads of 30-year-old songs. We can only hope. Yes. Yeah. So it's, what, four and a half years, right? 2018 is when we started. February 17th, 2018. So, have you learned anything new about ELO, Eric? Yes, I have learned uh, quite a bit about ELO. Yeah? I actually learned who was in ELO, (laughs) other than Jeff Lynn. Yeah? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I learned a lot of the history of the band, and uh, I knew, of course, they'd come from the move, but didn't know a lot of the early history on the first album when we first started everything because, well, that's usually not a place that you go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I've learned that they've got a very vast fan base after all these years. Mm -hmm. 
And I've learned that they, well, I already knew they had plenty of songs that don't get played on the radio that are just as good as their regular stuff. That I already knew because I have plenty of their albums already. Right. But I've basically come to appreciate a lot of their early music a lot more, particularly the stuff on Xanadu. Mm. That was one I also kind of usually skipped simply because it was Xanadu. (laughs) Well, yeah, if you're going by just the movie... Then yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, I always thought it was more just Olivia Newton-John and then All Over the World and I'm Alive. And uh, there's some really good stuff on there, so... Actually, I'm kind of surprised. you got all those records behind you. You're such a musicologist that, not saying you were deep into ELO history, but I'm kind of surprised that you did learn some things like who was in ELO. And that early stuff seems like the stuff that you would be into. But I guess you just kind of glossed over it before we ever started doing the podcast. Yeah, no, I knew um, there was Jeff Lynn, there was Bev Bevan, and then there was the guy going back and forth on the keyboards and the video for Don't Bring Me Down. Uh And then there was the guy spinning his cello and uh, some violinists. (laughs) Which, before doing this, yeah, I always was of the opinion that a lot of the backing group was interchangeable and was kind of there when needed. Right. And learned a lot more about how much they actually contributed to the sound and the music and everything. And a a lot about Lewis Clark. Yeah. And about how he actually helped form the band's sound almost as much as Lynn does. So the podcast changed your opinion about ELO. Not that you were, like, not these guys, but I guess maybe uh, turned out like more. Yeah, like more. plus you realize after having to listen to all these songs and everything that uh, whenever you even hear the first couple notes of anything in a grocery store, (laughs) oh, there we go, there's ELO. (laughs) Yeah. And as usual, something that I didn't need to learn is nobody gives a crap that you're doing an ELO podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't know. Except but... yellow fans, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, during the run of the show, one of my friends asked, aren't you kind of limiting your audience by doing only ELO? And I was kind of like, mm, well, podcasts really are kind of focusing on certain segments of audiences. It's, I mean, there's an Orville podcast, and you're pretty much only going to attract people who are interested in the Orville. It seems like most podcasts are just this small segment of audience. Going in, I pretty much figured, well, we're pretty much just going to attract ELO fans. So I didn't have any kind of phony idea that we're going to take over the world. Everybody's going to listen to this podcast. People who hate ELO, people who don't know who ELO is, people who love ELO, the whole world is going to flock to this podcast. But, which we will get to later... I certainly pulled in a whole lot more people than I ever expected. No, I don't think anybody wants to listen to a podcast just called Stuff. <laughs> so what do you guys discuss? Stuff. Stuff. Just stuff. Like, stuff that well, happened. What kind of stuff? Um, things. Things that made stuff do things. Yeah, things that happen. Uh, what type of things that happen? The th- Interesting ones. Yeah. The things. Yeah. <laughs> the things. You kind of want to aim your podcast <laughs> at an audience. Yeah. What were your favorite episodes? Ah, the one that always comes to mind is Blinded by the Light. <laughs> yeah. That one produced the most engagement with the audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the recent one with Down Came the Rain. Yeah. 
where we went off talking about Sweet Georgia Brown. It wasn't just because we did that, but it was because of what you did with the... <laughs> that it suddenly derailed it into having everybody else talk about it, too. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of went into an un- unexpected direction. I know some people hated that one, but the best ones will always have people who hate. Yeah. Other ones, I think largely a lot of our episodes from Discovery Time and Secret Messages, mm-hmm. I think most of those were where we were probably firing on all cylinders. Those were where we, where we had some of the most interesting songs to talk about mm-hmm. because there was some stuff there that might divide people rather than just, oh yeah, it's We Talking Woman, everybody loves it. It's Turned to Stone. <laughs> Only an imbecile would hate this song. <laughs> yeah. So when it got into their more interesting stuff before Jeff got tired of doing interesting stuff, <laughs> um, then, yeah, that and the Xanadu stuff, I think, was really good as well. I think that whole period was our best part of the show. Yeah, well, it helps that time gave us a lot to talk about in every song. It was also nice to have Corey's screenplay seriously edited down to fit sort of a radio serial version with secret messages kind of had fun playing with these secret secret messages of this is their last elo album so that added some fun to it too yeah definitely blinded by the light and down came the rain a couple of my favorite ones (laughs) i enjoyed the reaction to it i was just surprised at how enraged people get when you credit a song to elo that is not by elo and they still stay enraged when at the end, oh, it's just an April Fool's joke. That was not funny, man. Not funny. Instead of just like, oh, okay. They're goofing around. Okay. Let it slide. Fault Line. I really like that one where we uh, Hmm. wound up going into the history of the tune of the song where the tune of it pretty much just is Midnight Special and Jeff Lynne adds his own lyrics to it. I think my first favorite episode was Showdown. Even though I don't like the song, I did like the episode where I worked in bits of John Lennon saying how much he loved the song and that ELO were the son of Beatles. And it's a nice group. I call them son of Beatles, although they're doing things that we never did, obviously. What do you think were our weaker episodes? Hate to say it, but most of the stuff Zoom going forward. Yeah. <sighs> I think it's because at that point we had to try and come up with a lot of stuff that wasn't exactly to the point, so we went drifting off a bit more. You know, some of those discussions were fun. Some of it really didn't have as much to do with ELO. Other than that, probably our first handful of episodes where we were finding our feet, figuring out what we were going to do, and where we didn't have all the other people helping us out at the time. Yeah, those Zoom and After episodes... It was tough to find stuff to say about songs that kind of pretty much all sound the same. And I would just desperately clawing at anything so that, you know, I wouldn't jilt the listeners out of 10 to 15 minutes of podcast discussion about the songs. Also, at that point, I was running out of steam. I was looking forward to the end of the show and uh, I can relax a bit. I mean, I haven't listened to it in a long time, but I, I don't know. I feel like the telephone line episode was kind of weak, at least on my end because I was having a tough time trying to think about what to say about it since it's such a great friggin' song. What else can you say after it's a great friggin' song? Well, apparently I turned it into a commercial for Power Salad's ELO style parody. 
more than happy to give a shout out to somebody who does something really good but it's supposed to be about telephone line but i turned it into a an ad for their their song and yeah those episodes covering the first three albums if this happens to be the first episode you guys are ever hearing and you want to go back and hear the rest just suffer through it they're pretty distorty until i finally figured out don't mess with that thing. Don't add that effect. Fix that. Add that one. But don't do that. Yeah, and when I finally figured out my new computer after everything had been messed with mm-hmm. by Microsoft, once again, <laughs> <laughs> and figured out how to turn it down so everything wasn't in the red constantly, basically. Yeah, and I would try and even out the sound levels for all of us. And that just wound Ooh, up... Yeah. Yeah. And that just wound up making a sound kind of distorty. But it kind of fits, since the first three ELO albums were kind of distorty. So maybe we'll, we'll go with that excuse. We were just matching the, the, um, <laughs> the sound quality of those first three ELO albums that we're covering. I know there's a few other ones where we showed up exhausted. <laughs> yeah. That were not our best shows. <laughs> yeah, there was. I think there was one for Alone in the Universe album where I had maybe an hour or two of sleep, and you had just pretty much kind of stumbled out of bed and hadn't even had time for coffee yet. Yeah, and it definitely sounded like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I know you said there were a couple of albums and songs that changed your mind. Did you change your opinion about any songs? or albums from ELO. I know you were down on Out of the Blue 20-ish years ago. No, I haven't changed my mind about Out of the Blue as an album. Mm-hmm. Changed my mind about the rest of Concerto for a Rainy Day. That whole thing flows perfectly. Changed my mind about Time. Yeah? Time I thought was an okay album, and now <laughs> I think it's a great album. Discovery I always liked. New World Record, of course, I always liked. Face the Music, I think I ended up liking it a little bit less. Really? Because I think you liked it a little bit more. I'm not saying you... I did. I did like it pretty much, mm-hmm. but I think I still came out... Well, the thing is, it's sandwiched right there between two of their best albums, <laughs> and so... Yeah. <laughs> no, my opinion didn't change it on, on the third day. I never liked that one very much. Mm, yeah. Electrical Light Orchestra 2. Um, I think I ended up liking a couple of the other songs on there I don't listen to too much that I figured they actually weren't as bad. As much as we complain about his songs being too short now, <laughs> he never was really good at the really, really long stuff. Right. Except for Roll Over Beethoven, because that's basically the whole band jamming on that thing. Yes, it is. If we're going to have an album of long songs, just keep it at one album. Don't do like yeah. a lot of bands do and think, hey, we're going to make 30 or 40 albums, and each song is going to be 12 to 25 minutes long. And they're all going to be double albums. <laughs> yeah. Except for our triple. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll do the triple live album. Yeah. What is it? In Old England Town? That one probably did go on too long. The instrumental version is half that time, and I think you could have done that. And I like the instrumental version better. Mama, I just think, is pretty straight up beautiful, so it's not like seven minutes is too long for that. No. From the Sun to the World has interesting parts that pop in and out of it and Kuyama is a weird strange trip that goes into different directions which is kind of amusing in where it decides to go and I like that cool almost like UFO passing over uh, effect at the end of it
Is there anything you'll enjoy about not doing the podcast? Uh, an extra little bit of sleep. Yeah. And uh, not so much of a panic when I gotta go to the grocery store before work. <laughs> yeah. I am going to go back to enjoying ELO songs without thinking, what am I going to say about this song this week? That'll be nice. I think really that's about it. Even when I got kind of burned out on doing it, I still like doing it. I still like making my way through catalog and putting together episodes. I mean, I love sound editing, so I don't really get tired of that, but mostly I'm just going to look forward to, oh, I really like that song, and not think, we're going to have to bring up that whole issue with Dixie being used in that song. That's That, that one kind of hurts. I don't think you would have had as much of a struggle going forward if the albums had been better. Uh, that's definitely yeah. what made it. <sighs> Let's just get through this. Yeah. Yeah. Just close your eyes and pretend you like it. <laughs> uh, yeah. A couple of things that I learned. One, I had no idea that there was a porn movie that used ELO. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I didn't either. That was news to me. You know, and I've listened to and dug into ELO's history for well over 30 years or so, 35 years. So that was a surprise when that one came up. I was also surprised about how much ELO has been sampled by rappers. And I don't mean like the stuff you would think might be sampled by rappers, like Turn to Stone or the big hits. I mean, rappers that used deep hidden tracks like Mama. I think one used Laredo Tornado. So they're using all this stuff that one, who knew rappers knew about ELO? And two, who knew that they would know about the deep tracks? Or even think, you know what my rap song needs? A little sampling from ELO. Where's Mama? Let me work that in here. Well, that may be more their producers or the people they're buying the beats from. Yeah, or their parents listened to ELO and they were forced to <laughs> grow up with it. <laughs> kind of like what uh, Uncle Fester said from Smashing Pumpkins. I can't remember his name right now. My mom loved Fleetwood Mac, so I always got to hear them, whether I wanted to or not. Do you love Xanadu without fear of being shunned by humanity? We're here! We, we like Xanadu! Xanadu. Then roller skate to the Xanadu Preservation Society site at oddlystupid.wixsite.com slash Xanadu. It's an online warehouse of pictures, audio interviews, short essays, remixes, and a crate load of extras about one of the most maligned yet somewhat enjoyable movies of the 80s. Make your Xanadu dreams come true at oddlystupid.wixsite.com slash Xanadu. Xanadu, Xanadu, Xanadu. He brings you the best in records today. He always suggests you make a request for tunes you should play. In musical matters, he's the finest. Anywhere, your musical expert is on the air. It's the same old song. So we were really pretty plain hard on Jeff Lynne for the last uh, maybe small handful of podcasts where we laid into him about sounding pretty much the same for the last 30 years. There's probably more than a handful of podcasts 
But I'm kind of like, well, why are we laying all this grief on Jeff Lynne? When, other than maybe a couple of songs in 1980, I don't think the Ramones have changed their sound over the, well, during their entire career. I was about uh, to say, they're not going to change it now. That's, I was about to say, over the last, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say over the last 45 years, and I stopped myself, because aren't all of them dead at this point? Except for two drummers, yeah, two right. of the later drummers, Richie and Marky are still alive. Oh, CJ, bassist to replace Steedy, he's still alive. Okay. So, and that's really about it. Yeah. ACDC, they never changed their sound. Have the Foo Fighters done anything different over the last 25 years? I don't know the entire discography, but I don't think Tony Bennett ever changed his sound over 70 years. I don't think he experimented with rock or disco or country. Pretty much just stayed the strings and the crooning. And everybody, including myself, considers all of them legends, and I don't really roll my eyes when a Ramones song comes on, and I can't really tell the difference from Beat on the Brat or, you know, I want to be sedated. So I'm kind of like, why do those legends get a pass but we really laid into Jeff Lynn and I think we beat him down pretty hard. No, I know we beat him down pretty hard on some of those songs from Zoom and Alone in the Universe and From Out of Nowhere and assorted extra tracks from special edition albums. Well, the reason is, is because expectations. Mm. Now, critics really got on the Ramones. Um, after their first four albums because the sound did change a bit with End of the Century because Phil Spector produced it and this was a situation where Phil Spector should not have been anywhere near. Um, (laughs) They didn't ask Phil Spector to produce it. Phil Spector demanded he produce it and then at one point held everybody um, at gunpoint. <laughs> well, it, that was his style. To make yes. them, uh, yeah, that was that's his modus operandi, is <laughs> yes. hold everybody at gunpoint, mm-hmm. and uh, everybody never knew whether or not he would shoot. Yeah. Let's not go there. <laughs> but he kind of took a number of good songs, tried to change it, trying to actually up their 60s sound. Mm-hmm. And then after that, Johnny and Dee Dee spent a lot of the 80s trying to be more punk to make up for it. Well, Joey really liked that 60s sound, so it was kind of a pull between the two. And there were some changes and some compromises made for the 80s, and that didn't go over well with a lot of critics. Looking back at it now, most of their catalog is still pretty solid. There's a few albums in there that are lackluster, but otherwise, it's pretty solid. But the thing is, that's what you expected from the Ramones, right out the door. 30-minute album. (laughs) <laughs> one, two, three, four, and you're on onto one song and onto another song and onto another song. And I've got their live album, It's Alive, which unfortunately didn't get released in the US. It's got like 40 songs on it, and the whole thing, even though it's two records, is only about an hour long. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Ramones. You expect it from the Ramones. ACDC, Malcolm Young, and Angus Young said, This is what we're doing, and they did it. Yeah. And. That was basically it. Bon Scott went along with it. Bon Scott's era sounds quite a bit different in some cases than Brian Johnson's. I think Brian Johnson's era is actually better in some cases because we got the good songs here. The Australian releases have the ones where Bon decided to play around and talk about crabs. Not, <laughs> uh, yeah, he had a song called Crabsody in Blue. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's ACDC, so you can guess he wasn't talking about your normal crustaceans. You, yeah, he's not talking about seafood, yeah. Yeah, even though Big Balls, he was talking about dances, believe it or not, but... <laughs> I always wondered... <laughs> that one made it. That one made it here, but... <laughs> yeah, for 40 years, I first heard it in 1981 on Dr. Demento, and ever since, I'm like... He's talking about parties, right? Or is he using that as a euphemism for testicles? I, or who's got the... So, No, they, they were a little bit more varied with him, because I think he had a little bit more influence, but from back in black onward, why mess with it? <laughs> well, yeah. Really. I mean, some of their albums afterwards, they do have varying quality, but for the most part, when it's really good, why mess with the formula? And I think that's part of the problem with the later ELO albums is if he's going to just be Jeff Lynn, then fine. Why mess with the formula? This is Jeff Lynn's solo. Why mess with the formula? If he's going to slap ELO on it, though, this isn't the formula. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder if it was just because we were spoiled. The first run of ELO, he changed it up every three albums. You're going from crunchy cellos to beautiful full orchestras to catchy pop and disco to over synth, new wavy kind of, and into just flat out synth 80s pop with balance of power. And then we hit Zoom and it's, it's just guitars, bass, drums. There's really not much elaborate work that is added to the music. And for me, what I love about the, the original run of ELO is that I felt like I was being swallowed up by the music. There was just so much going on. With big orchestras and sound effects and weird interludes between songs and so much production work going on in there. And I love hearing that stuff. And I love feeling like I'm being just wrapped up in this world of music. And then zoom on. It's just, here's a song. Here's another song. And no interludes, no big orchestral sound. And I never really went in for the basic kind of stuff. I guess the Ramones were pretty basic. And yeah, up until 89, I wasn't really too big into the Ramones. And then a friend handed me their Greatest Hits compilation. Here, borrow this. Have a listen. And yeah, there was like 40 songs on one disc. And I was like, yeah, they're pretty short songs. And I did like the Ramones. Even though up until like the mid-80s, I was like, ooh, punk. No way, man. Well, they have some stuff that's really outward punk music but yeah the definition of punk has changed quite a bit over the years now a lot of people they dismiss a lot of the quote real punks the gatekeepers <laughs> the equivalent of the guy with the fedora and the neck beard when it comes to star trek no no here um, it, 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 a fedora is a cool hat that's indiana jones you're thinking of a trilby that's a douche hat no unfortunately fedoras have become a douche hat too. no i love fedoras well, douches ruin everything. Remember, swastika was supposed to be a good symbol. <laughs> then, and then those douchebags <laughs> the in Germany. biggest douchebag on earth. <laughs> uh, yeah, had to go and ruin the swastika, and it's no longer a Native American good luck symbol. It's something much, much worse. Yeah, so I know there's not a whole comparison there. But, <laughs> yeah. But I was going to say that the, quote, real punks reject the Ramones as being pop. <laughs> where at the time that their original album came out a lot of people were going WTF because they're going this isn't music it's you know no you're exactly right December 10th 1982 Jonathan Brammeyer KZZP 
and KCCP is a pretty middle-of-the-road, top 40, early 80s pop station. He, he was talking with his newsman, Paul Talbot, about seeing the Ramones and how it was just trash and it was just noise and, and how much he hated it. I went to see the Plasmatics, mm -hmm. the worst piece of garbage that has ever been put on a stage. They are so unmusical, it's funny. They have not one ounce of musical ability in their heart. You ever seen the Ramones? I sure have, and they're, and they're the same way, although they have at least, uh, uh, they're hinting at melodies. Yeah. The Ramones are hinting at melodies. Uh, Do you ever hear the way they count their music out? One, two, three, four! No. They no. go, one, two, blank, you. Oh, that, that's charming. One, two, blank, you! Yeah. And uh, somebody threw a bottle up at Joy Ramone. Yeah. When I saw him and uh, I'm going to come down there. I'm going to break your beep, beep, neck. Yeah. You got that? And the crowd, you know, flips on the bird and a uh, real beautiful concert. What's the closest to, I mean, a real popular punk, punk band you've seen? That's why I brought up the Ramones. I thought they were uh, yeah. pretty much a waste of time. Yeah, well, I, like I say, they were real loud. You couldn't stand it for more than 20 minutes, but I could just tell. What I kept thinking to myself was, hey, turn the mic up and let's hear a melody come out of this trash. There was a song that they did that was pretty good. Uh, well, they did a cover of uh, an old tune called California Sun, which is uh, no, never heard a pretty that. good tune. Something about, I want to be your boyfriend. I want to be your boyfriend was yeah. the name of the song. And it had a melody to it. Hmm. Not bad at all. Well, at least yeah. we have a morally uplifting radio station in Mesa. We yes. certainly do. And it is KZZP. And when you compare the Ramones against Holland Oates, Kenny Loggins, Bernie Higgins, Paul Davis, yeah, the Ramones are pretty hardcore punk. <laughs> when you put it up against what was actually popular at the time. Exactly. Yeah, so when some 20-year-old kid says, the Ramones weren't punk, I'm just kind of, come here, I need to throw you into 1978 and let you hear how Andy Gibb is ruling the world. I, I, I just want to be your everything. This is the alternative, the Ramones. It's punk. Right. I mean, Jello B. Offer got beat up back in the 2000s for uh, not being punk. Or was the 90s, one or the other. And he's the lead singer of Dead Kennedys. Or was. <laughs> well, was back in their heyday. And so he got beat up for being an old man who's no longer punk. I think it was because he actually said he liked Green Day. <laughs> and he defended Green Day because as poppy as Green Day's punk sound is, they came up in the same crappy venues and everything as everybody else so right yeah I've, I've heard them described as kmart punk of course if we were doing a weekly ramon song by song podcast i have no doubt it wouldn't take long before i'd start saying here we go again my name's Alan Stair. Who cares? And I'm his wife, Donna Stair. You're not a cop, are you? Join us for the WKRP cast. It's a week-by-week, -week, episode-by-episode podcast, giving you a chance to re-watch, review, and re-love WKRP. Tons of trivia, stories, background information, and when possible, interviews. Don't miss the WKRP cast. Subscribe now, available every Tuesday. I'm at WKRP in Cincinnati. You're listening to the ELO story. Eric Paul Johnson, land, 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 land. Eric Winsensen, now they have done all ELO songs. Yes, it's over. Yes, it's over. It's over. Eric Paul Johnson, lang, 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 lang. Eric Winsensen.
Jeff Lynn, and I've really enjoyed this podcast I have. It's been great. See you next time, the lads. Bye bye. Who's that? Those letters, I love those letters. Let's find out what you got to say. Oh boy! Mailman, mail today. This comment came in a few months ago, sometime last year, and I kept forgetting to include it in whatever bonus tracks episode was up next. So before we go, I, I really should get to this. This was a comment about Don't Walk Away. Oshkiv said to Winsensen over there, Eric was talking about how he heard this chorus before, and to me, it sounds very similar to the chorus from You Don't Own Me by Leslie Gore. see that yeah I can too I never noticed it before but I can see it but I think that's what he was going for oh absolutely yeah that is exactly the sound he was going for on that song so yeah no that explains it just a thought we also got a comment from somebody else somebody posted on Twitter man I really love ELO and I having that hair trigger promotional reaction said hey did you know there's a podcast about ELO well, this person on Twitter who goes by Coach Cristobal Get the Best Recruits in the Land said, Yes, I know, but I find this podcast to be negative and the opinions of the people involved are so subjective. I don't listen to this BS podcast anymore. I have my own opinions and taste and it's good enough for me. Say, so who is that old sourpuss? Yes, Walter. <laughs> and that's a reference to a Jeff Dunham puppet. No, yes, the old man. <laughs> yeah. Only Jeff Dunham reference will ever do on this show. Sweet Jesus, I hope so. <laughs> well, it's the last episode. Might as well get it in before yeah. we go. See, I think this is a perfect example. Yeah, we've said some mean stuff about Jeff Lynn and ELO, but we've said a whole lot more of really great stuff about Jeff Lynn and ELO. But... Uh, people don't seem to notice that kind of thing. They kind of like, oh, they said something bad about Jeff Lynn. Oh, those mother, I don't, I, these people don't, just forget, I am never, ever listening to these people again because one of them didn't like Down Came the Rain or Dirty to the Bone. Oh, they didn't like Dirty to the Bone. Forget these guys. 
We said plenty of good stuff. Even We even said good stuff about From Out of Nowhere and Alone in the Universe, which I didn't expect to happen going in. But people got to focus on the bad and take that as yeah. their ultimate impression of something. And um, about opinions being subjective, <laughs> yeah, they're opinions. Yeah. I'm, they are. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much what an opinion is. Yeah, yeah. I, I think for music, there is no wrong opinion because it's being judged through the person's ears. And if I say something sucks, it sucks to my ears. You may like it. That's to your ears. And that's okay. We can all like and hate the same songs. It's not like saying something like, you know, in my opinion, Hitler had the right idea. Just needed the right little twist and turn there to really make it come to its full world government promise. Hold on, I'm just isolating this part of the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I'm never going to be able to run for office. Well, yeah, so now if you ever get money... Yeah. Yeah. If you actually ever get a lot of money, I'm owed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's a wrong opinion. Yeah. Genocide, global domination by a monster madman, that's not a good opinion. Music, I mean, it's open to interpretation for everybody. People get on our case, oh, don't say that. What if Jeff Lynn hears that and gets dispirited? And I'm just thinking, were you reading Rolling Stone in the 1970s? <laughs> In 1980s, they tore apart ELO every chance they could. And that didn't seem to turn Jeff Lynn into like, well, fine then, forget it. I'm done. I'm going to go work for the milk and bread like I should have started doing 30 years ago. If Jeff Lynn's been in music for 50 or 60 years, he's got to understand it's just opinions. Someone doesn't like it. Somebody does like it. Smile when you get the good opinions. Let the bad ones just roll off your back and keep doing your thing. It's not a cataclysmic global disaster if somebody doesn't like Showdown. Like, for instance, me. And then the very same day, I got this voicemail message. Hello, I don't have any comment on a particular song. I I just want to say I really, really enjoy your podcast. I do a lot of driving for work and uh, makes the trip a lot easier. Thanks for doing what you do. I love you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I'm, you know, when I've been editing this podcast... I try to think about people driving in the car and try and get voice levels at about the same so that when you're listening and you got all that car noise, engine, and traffic that seeps through even when your windows are rolled up, I hate it when I have to turn something up to hear it and then all of a sudden another part comes in and that's really loud! So I tried to make the levels pretty even for people out there who listen to the show while driving. You're a very sweet man. Midnight on the Water, a novel by Pam Van Allen, tells the story of Horace, a man with a bank job in the city, who escapes from his dreary, lonely life into an elaborate dream world of knights, shamans, and merry men. Based on the 1974 Electric Light Orchestra album, El Dorado, Midnight on the Water by Pam Van Allen is available at Amazon.com. This is Denise Crosby, Tasha Yar from Star Trek The Next Generation, and you're listening to Face the Music, an electric light orchestra song by song podcast.
When I hatched the idea for this podcast back on November 11th, 2017, uh, my head was in two different places. The frosted side of my brain thought, since this is the only podcast dedicated solely to ELO out there, I should get thousands and thousands of listeners a week. This could be my ticket, uh, and with all the Patreon, I could probably make a living at this, and and money and fame and, and listeners and ears, they'd all be flocking to me. But then the unfrosted side of my brain, the reality part, said, you're going to be lucky if you can get 12 of your friends to listen every week. My first podcast series, the Eric Paul Johnson Radio Troller Program, ran from 2010 to 2017. I got about 25,000, 30,000 listens over the entire run. Another podcast I did was Six Minute Critic, and those were segments inside of another friend's Jonathan Brandmeier podcast. But I put those out as their own podcast, and uh, I don't know. I'd be surprised if I got more than 1,000 listens to that. So, now that it's all over, how many listens total did my rinky-dink little Electric Light Orchestra podcast get? Well, let's run all the numbers into Susan, an IBM who was also a telephone. All right, let's see. You put in another 40 of Podomatic. You get uh, 1,000 uh, Podbean. And put in the numbers for YouTube for the ELO podcast channel. Plus my Cap Super own personal video channel because I couldn't figure out how to rig it up with Podbean to stop posting there. We post over the ELO program. And thousand. Mixcloud, which is uh, over there. Stitcher, which I think stopped keeping track of stats when I hit, uh, what is it, helpless. Okay, and uh, Facebook on the ELO Facebook page where I used to post the Zoomcast, but I got tired of doing it through Facebook because like everything else Facebook does, they had to make it so difficult to do that it was like, you know what, just forget this, start a YouTube channel. Okay, and enter. All right, let's see what we got. The total number of listens to face the music an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast from February 17th, 2018 to June 9th, 2022, 1 o'clock in the morning. We got 225,621 listens. Well, Artie, give them a fanfare! Thank you to everybody who listened. I could have done it without you. And I didn't slip up there. I really, I could have done it without you. I just, I would have gotten 12 listens a week. But thanks to everybody out there, I didn't have that thought in my head. I'm wasting my time doing this, so. Thank you for listening. And thank you for the people who gave me money. I kind of wish more people gave me money. If I'd gotten at least a dollar for every listen, $225,621 would have paid off my college debt and we could have bought a house. Well, I would have had to have split it with everybody else who works on the podcast, so I actually would have gotten $45,124.20. And what can you really buy with $45,124.20? A tube of Funyuns and a bottle of Zero Sugar Sprite. End of list. It was my understanding that there would be no math. (laughs) 
Well, good old everybody. It's me, that Dano guy from that Xanadu site, apparently for the final time. And here is, well, my final rant for this particular podcast. And so we're finally here. After all the ranting, raving, and at worst, pig squealing, we finally ran out of ELO tracks to hang our emotions on. And considering Beatles Forever is our final regular episode, it seems fitting that this last lost piece of ELO mythology should be the end of this year's podcast fest. Such deep writing and thoughts has gone into a band that, let's be honest here, is not known for deepness compared to Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd, and the Beach Boys if you're willing to go that far. As you can tell from my audio contributions here, I have my own long-term ELO relationship. But it wasn't until I bumped into this podcast that I finally saw this band was more important to me than my usual lethargic musical attitude with personal nostalgia beating me upside the head. Leave it to old age and the internet to force this out of me with a well-oiled crowbar. So in the end, I better thank Eric and Eric, especially Eric, for putting this show together and inviting me to join in on the fanboy campfire talk quite a calm relief as I spent enough time in the comic anime fandom trenches and got the scars and the smirks to prove it. Though I do fear for my safety if there's any non-Donald Fagan Steely Dan fractions lurking out there. But the two Eric's are honest fans who are willing to pop a few ELO cliche bubbles to get to the heart of the music without the emotional upheaval. Well, from their end. Good luck, boys. I suspect you earned the right not to use a map to go down this rabbit hole. Oh, by the way, a slight correction from my Beatles Forever review. The Daria website I mentioned in the last episode is correctly titled Outpost Daria. All other mistakes I've made in the past, well, I blame society and I take no responsibility. I really have to thank everybody who contributed to the podcast. Lisa Marie McGough. Don't walk away. Taz Barkley. Got something to say about. Grant Carpenter. Great moments. MJ Folds. Don Fields. Okay, you hosers. Mike Hudson. Well, this one's gonna be short and sweet. The dearly departed Mark Herring. Call a telephone hotline voicemail. That's not right. Karen Sook. If it's supposed to be something different. Troy White. Hello, this is Troy White. Madeline Reed. I like it. That's that stupid. George Leonberger. A great line from ELO. Jeff Eberding. Hi there. Stephen St. John. Corey Gomel and Don Sula. Tracer Anthony. And Kai Kuyama. That woman's completely and utterly mad. This isn't just showbiz phoniness. This is God's honest truth. I'm sorry. Lynn's honest truth. I have never worked with a better bunch of people on anything that I've ever done. I did an underground satire newspaper for 20 years that involved other people getting me stories and pictures and cartoons and all that. I've done radio shows and podcasts where people are like, I got this here, let me submit, I want to put this, okay, you got your regular feature, just get it to me every week or whatever. And every single time, there were people who would be late with articles or segments for the show. And, you know, I'd say, it's, you know, you got to get that in now. I I know, I know. Tomorrow, you'll get it tomorrow. 
and then tomorrow comes. And No, no, I got busy. Don't worry. Definitely. And at some point, I just had to go on without them. And they didn't get their segment or article in that issue or show. But I barely, barely ever ran into that with anybody who worked on the, the podcast with me. Sometimes, yeah, I'd remind them, you got to get it in today or tomorrow, or I'm almost done with the episode, just waiting on you. And they'd say, okay, I'll get it to you in 10 minutes, or I'll get it to you tomorrow. Or the alarm didn't go off on time. Or that. <laughs> and they would. There wasn't tomorrow, and then they say, I'm sorry, definitely tomorrow. And then tomorrow. There was none of that. If they said, okay, I'm sorry I'm late, I'll get it to you tomorrow, they got it into me tomorrow. So, I just... You guys are friggin' wonderful. I love you, man! I, I, I would love it if I had a crew like this to work with in anything else I ever do. I also have to give a, a shout-out to Incensin. Again, I've done things, and people either lose interest, or life gets in the way, and they stop contributing or can't do the show or the newspaper anymore, which I understand. It's like I'm not mad. I understand burnout, and I understand life getting in the way. So when I started at the podcast, and Eric said, yeah, I'll do it. I had other backup posts in my mind when eventually he would be like, I can't do this anymore. Work, life, I'm too drunk to operate anymore. Stuff like that. <laughs> so I, I'm really glad that uh, Winsensen made it through the whole thing. I like continuity and reliability. Those are huge bonus points for me for anybody. And I'm also amazed that you went along with every stupid idea that I may have came up with. When I suggested early on, well, I'm, I, you know, I might have Madeline do a segment at the end, and I was kind of thinking you might cringe knowing how much you don't like kids. And we have to have a kids <laughs> section. But you, were like, you, you said nothing. When I suggested, okay, here's my idea. For the Christmas episode, I pretend like I didn't know that Mannheim Steamroller did that one. And instead of like, like, okay, sure, that sounds kind of dumb. I don't. You didn't even hesitate, and you delivered your lines on spot that I did feed you just as they should be. Hey, let's do an episode where Blinded by the Light is our April Fool's episode. Okay, sure. I never got any pushback to any dumb idea that I may have come up with, so that also helped. Well, kind of my job to help make it work. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, also, if I had given you too many notes, uh, probably you would have gone, well, you do it. <laughs> nah. No, uh, what? <laughs> I'm fairly easy to work with. Believe me, if I go in thinking, this idea is going to be stupid, and if somebody says, yeah, that idea is stupid, that pretty much just confirms, yeah, it's stupid. Let's not do it. Well, my thing is, usually you try stuff. Hmm. Unless the idea is um, try and do a Bee Gees imitation uh, on a song. Um, You try stuff, and if it works, it works, you keep it. If it doesn't work, you pretend it never happened. (laughs) Yeah. Just like Seven (laughs) and Married with Children. Uh, (laughs) Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. (laughs) Yep. Seven didn't work. Seven just vanished. (laughs) Shows up on a milk carton a couple seasons later, and that's <laughs> all you have to say about that. <laughs> right, like Spear Chucker on MASH and uh, Richie Cunningham's basketball playing brother. They just vanished. Yes. Nobody even says anything. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody says, well, Chuck went off to college, or Spear Chucker went home. It's just, what, who? 
We've only had uh, Joni and, and Richie as our kids. I don't know what you're talking about, Fonzie. Yeah, you know, you get some of that stuff out early, and what works you keep, what doesn't, vanishes. And if you last long enough, nobody remembers except a bunch of internet sites that <laughs> like to talk about it over and over again. Right, and you just don't do it every And uh, we're not that famous, so... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not yet. But God knows I took my shirt off enough times to try and get us some attention. Oh my God! Oh, well, it was swell while it lasted. We did have fun and no harm done. And thanks for the memory. Incandescent, unmistakable, the light is on again. Electric Light Orchestra. For the modern world, ELO, Electric Light Orchestra, calling America on the album Balance of Power. And now, back to Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song by Song Podcast. Hello, this is Dr. Troy White, and here we are, final episode of the podcast. And I've been racking my brain trying to think of something profound to say as we reach this moment. But I think I've already said a lot in the past three years that I've been a part of this. So I don't want to rehash some of my prior comments. So I just want to begin by saying thank you to Eric Paul Johnson and Eric Winsenson for creating this podcast. I didn't start listening until they started covering a new world record. I was sitting in a library doing research. I was bored. I checked Facebook and I noticed in my notifications that they were beginning their discussion of a new world record. I listened to that first episode on Tightrope and I've been hooked ever since. And I've been listening ever since and I've gone back and listened to some of the older episodes but I've been consistently on board since a new world record. I never thought I would ever be a part of this podcast. I want to thank the Erics for allowing me to do that and for everyone else for putting up with me. So where do we go from here? Well, I think the Erics deserve to take a long extended vacation. I know they've mentioned maybe going back over the albums I would be all for that, but again, it's up to them, but they should know that they will always have a loyal listener with me, whatever they decide to do. So now, I'm going to go back and start listening to the podcast from the beginning. And hey, I know that first album is tough to get through, but if Madeline could make it through, then by golly, I think I can. So again... A big thank you to the Erics and a big thank you to all of you across the ELO fandom. Special shout out to Corey Gomel and Don Fields. This is it, but it's not an occasion for sadness because once you become an ELO fan, you are in it for life. There is no graduation, so this is no commencement. So thank you everyone, and I bid you a fond farewell.
are the new American society, the movers and the shakers. You are the new coffee generation. Because coffee lets you calm yourself down and picks you up. Coffee gives you the serenity to dream it and the vitality to do it. No other drink does that like coffee. Join the coffee achievers. Do your best. Back to ELO. Okay, here's news about the future of the podcast, if it even has a future. So, does it go on? Do we stop here? Do we go into other ELO stuff? Hard to say. Could keep doing it, or we could not keep doing it. Is it? Isn't it? What's going to happen? Who knows? I know. I think what Sensen knows, too. I've probably told the other people at this point, but I haven't told you guys yet. I haven't let the big announcement out yet. Say it! Say it! Say it! Say it! Getting to the point. Yes. <laughs> okay, so here's the news. The podcast will go on. Well, doesn't that make you feel dandy? In two different ways. The first way, everybody remember all those expanded episodes that y'all had to pay $2 a pop to hear? Those are going to be released as free episodes. You'll be able to get it where you get this podcast. Podbean, Apple, YouTube. Starting the first Saturday of January, 2023? Yes. And I left that big gap if there's any new ELO that comes out this year. So that we can put those episodes in there without getting in the way or having a new episode come out the same time an expanded episode comes out. There was also another Patreon episode that you had to pay for. That's going to be free. It was the top 33 ELO songs according to the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Maybe we'll do it like the American Top 40 used to do it. It's going to be a special countdown episode July 4th weekend. So that's when that will, will come out. So the other way the podcast is going to go on. It will go on as Face the Music, a pre ELO song by song podcast. We'll get into the Idol Race and the Move, the Knight Riders. I'm making enough money to sway my opinion. I'm not making enough money to make a living off of it. $40, $50 a month. I probably should keep mining that mine for money. It'll go in release order, because it's easier for me to keep track of that kind of stuff. But here's the thing. You're going to have to pay for it. Ah, crap! It will only be available at Patreon. A dollar an episode, four to five dollars a month. And you'll get to learn all the stuff about the Idol Race and the Move and the Knight Riders. All the stuff that was officially released. There won't be any expanded episodes because won't be trimming anything out. There'll be no bonus tracks episodes because honestly I hated putting those together. It was like trying to bang out two episodes at once. And for the people who don't go through Patreon, like our anonymous donor who sends us $100 a month, um, you can still get in on this. When you make your PayPal or check or money order or briefcase stuffed with cash donation, include your email address and I'll send you the secret download link so that you can get the pre-ELO podcast series. The premature Jeff Lynn... <laughs> Wait, no. <laughs> yeah. 
However, when ELO comes out with a new album, or new ELO comes out, those episodes will still be free, you won't have to pay anything for them. And then, if we go on that long, all the ELO-related stuff that came out after the first album, I don't think we're going to go into Roy Wood and Wizard. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> that's partly my thinking. Even I have my limits. Yeah, that's partly my thinking. I think Roy Wood and Wizard would have to be its own podcast series, because that's a lot of stuff. I like Roy Wood. I don't like him enough to spend hours of my life editing together endless episodes about his entire discography. Especially when a good part of his discography sounds like it was produced by a 12-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Roy Wood's like Vegemite. It's an acquired taste, and you really have to acquire it. I actually like Vegemite. Uh, Roy Wood, however, (laughs) on his own. You would. (laughs) (laughs) With that ELO offshoot podcast, I think we'll just stick with the main band members and what they did outside of ELO. Lynn, Tandy, Bevan, Crocut, Kaminsky, uh, Mike D. Albuquerque. I know he did a... I know he at least did a single. I don't know if he ever did an album. I'm curious how that sounded. Because... That's going to be a lot of offshooting. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to dig into the career of somebody who made fart noises on that unused release of Rollover Beethoven and then went on to have a career playing music with actual legitimate people, like maybe uh, Weird Al Yankovic. So, we'll just stick with the core ELO members. Sounds good. Until people don't pay. Yeah, yeah. When people stop paying, then we'll stop doing, you know. <laughs> Until people decide, I why should I pay for this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was an episode of The Simpsons, and Troy McClure, I think, is the washed-up actor who narrated it, said, and the series will go on until it's no longer profitable. Who knows what adventures they'll have between now and the time the show becomes unprofitable. And that would be the same with this. <laughs> when we stop making money, that's a good sign to just stop. We will not be on the air as long as The Simpsons. In fact, I think we'll be dead by then. <laughs> I, what is it? 32 years. So I will be 85 years old. The prospects aren't looking good, but who knows what medical science will bring by then. That's, that's true. <laughs> and maybe on a new Jeff Lynn's ELO album that year. <laughs> If medical science is doing its job. Yeah, maybe that 50th anniversary stuff will finally come out in (laughs) 2057 or whatever. So we're going to take the summer off. I think it's much deserved. And our pre-ELO podcast will start on September 24th. So if you're not going to join us on the pre-ELO podcast over on Patreon, I I guess this is it. I, I think we're done here. I think we're done here. You've been listening to the ELO Story. Our special thanks to Jeff Lynn, Bev Bevan, and everyone at Jet Records in L.A. and London for making this program possible. It's been absolutely wonderful, and uh, you're the guys who did it, so thank you so much again. And uh, let's keep on rocking. Love you all. Thanks a lot. Bye for now.